Okay, I believe we are live. Sesh, are you live? I am live. Okay, we are going to send out right now to everybody away uh, yes. and our fans that we are now currently uh, live based off of our social media. Um, I was going to say they know on that one, but uh, we might want to I don't know why you're pointing that because I'm going the, to Facebook. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm trying to get to Facebook and you're like, over here, over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. As our active intern on the set, I, uh, I just point wildly. <laughs> just like any good intern. <laughs> any good intern. That's right. That's right. Uh, I pretend that I do things here, but really I just make things worse. So, uh, <laughs> Again, any Yes. All right. So um, once we send out this notification, which uh, Maria is kindly doing for us right now. Yes. SMI via Twitter. Oh, oh excellent. <laughs> I almost All just right. posted it as Twitchman. <laughs> that, Watchman. That, is, that is good as well. And I stream it on Twitch, so... <laughs> Okay, uh, so based off of that, Sesh, are you ready? I am ready. Maria, are you ready? Yes, I am. Well, then let's kick this popsicle stand in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, all you spry tubers and twitchers out there. Welcome to the Could You Do It Better podcast where filmmaker, gamer extraordinaire, and the behind-the-scenes awesomeness known as Sesh, and the writing and directing sensation known as Maria, discuss popular television shows and movies and answer the always controversial question of, could you do it better? Today, we will be discussing Episode 5 of Damon Lindelof's The Watchmen television series as inspired by Alan Moore's graphic novel. And as for me, I'm Jonathan, and unlike our two experts, have no industry experience whatsoever. In other words, I'm much like your Squid Anonymous random hookup. Sloppy, completely unnecessary, and needs to wear a bag over their head for you to follow them home. <laughs> and now, to Sesh and Maria. Woo! Oh, boy. So oh. today, today, our intern here has a very special five-minute recap of Watchmen Episode 5 for those who have seen or want to unsee the episode. Yes, uh, and again, warning here, uh, from this point on, there are gonna be spoilers. We're gonna discuss the episode. Uh, so if you haven't seen it and want it to and don't want to be spoiled, then continue watching this on mute and then uh, feel free to watch on your, uh, on your own time and then come back and watch again. Uh, <laughs> helps our numbers, you know how it is. All right, <laughs> from there, we will now proceed to the recap as mandated by our legal department. We start in the past. Looking Glass, now named Wade, is going on his class field trip to earn his proselytization credit so he can finally graduate from the Oklahoma public school system. Wade's task? To save souls from the horror's den, also known as Hoboken, New Jersey. And within five minutes, without saying nary a polysyllabic word, he gets the hottest girl in the history of the state to take off all the clothes on his body as he prepares to proselytize her with his own looking glass to the sweet, sweet sounds of George Michael. 
kid is a bala. But like all things gone from Jersey, she gets the runs, and he poses naked in front of a plethora of mirrors to get the best angle to slide into her DMs later. But wait! Surprised transdimensional psychic squid attack! Do 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 do! Party on, Wade! Wade stumbles out of his house of broken mirrors to find almost everyone dead, proving that indeed surrounding yourself with easily shatterable jagged objects in a small confined space is the best way to survive a catastrophic event. Warning, replicating this at home could result in blood loss, serious injury, and in extreme cases, death. Commence the sweetest single shot cinematic pullback we've ever seen to New York's take on fried calamari. Hats off to you, Javier Grobe. Hats off. Present day, Lori Blake speaks slowly and uses small words to explain to the police force that examining key evidence, like trying to find the church the 7th Cavalry post on their TikTok, might, I don't know, locate the terrorist unit. Red Scare devours what she throws down wholeheartedly. By what she throws down, I don't mean her speech, I mean the murder lettuce from the evidence bag. Enter Angela! who continues her impeccable job of trying to cover for a murder suspect by pushing Looking Glass for info on her granddaddy's pills inside of the police station loud enough to get recorded by Lori's cactus tap. Wade gets railroaded by his new boss, goes home and does what every proud Oklahoma man does after a hard day of work, puts a mask on, eats some beans, and watches some hardcore superhero porn. Looking Glass gets a call from his analytical chemist, ex-wife, who tells him that Angela's granddaddy was taking some illegal memory pills, and then proceeds to immolate a puppy, because even for pets, size matters. Flash forward to Wade going to his cephalopod anonymous meeting, where he finds Dory, starts talking to her about tunnels, and she casually mentions she's DTF. Kid is a bala. They drunkenly make out, and as he tries to get all up in that tunnel, a surprise arugula falls out of her trunk. Wait, what? Dory's a cavalry member? No. Our mirrorball Nemo chases after Dory into the Kraken's lair. He sees them shooting hoops and realizes they're the Monstars from Space Jam. He catches up to Dory, pulls out his gun to find out he's just shooting blanks. Dory consoles him and tells him that maybe she's just not his type and maybe he'd enjoy getting tied down by her two big male friends instead. Wade gets swept off his feet by them, only to find Senator Miracle Whip waiting to ambush him with squid snuff films. Marshmallow Fluff gives him an ultimatum. Throw Angela under the bus and get to watch a new genre of porn where Adrian Veidt screws the world, or, um, go home, I guess? Wade makes the right call and watches Adrian explain his master plan of using fear to change a populace so fearful they're bent on self-destruction into a happy utopia, only to find 30 years later that they are fearful people bent on destroying themselves. <laughs> Shocking. Sad. Meanwhile, Ozymandias becomes the first living person to escape his earthly prison by trebuchet in a homemade spacesuit, such that he can make modern art from the dead bodies he launched there after his celebratory clone-killing bender to make Dudon the promise to his mom that his art degree would actually be useful. But wait! <laughs> but wait! He's not on Earth? He's on Europa? Oof. That's gonna be a heck of an uber fare. The warden is displeased and says they will not have any engineers running free and that they must all be locked up in captivity. 
truer words have never been spoken. Back to Looking Glass and his inevitable betrayal where he sits there as Angela yells directly into the spy cactus, You want the truth about these pills? You can't handle the truth! Facepalm. Worst cop ever. Shockingly, Lori somehow figures out she's concealing evidence and pulls a gun on her. Angela, in a state of jealous rage, screams that if Red Scare got to eat the ruinous romaine, she's going to gulp down these pills the crazy old man gave her since everyone is devouring evidence now. And she's arrested. And finally, Wade returns home to find out that snitches get stitches as the 7th Cavalry murder hobos come looking for loot he keeps in his urns. This recap was brought to you by Canis Immolation Corporation where there's no pet problem too large for them to handle. Canis Simulation Corporation. Cool designs, hot flames. Back to you, Session Maria. Oh, dear. Thank you, intern. Thank you, intern. Um, intern, did you mess with the lighting? Uh, yeah, did I? Uh, uh, are, are we? Because uh, I am feeling blinded <laughs> by the lights right now. Does it look weird? into the example of ghoul lighting. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Not to interrupt your flow too much, but Maybe. damn it, intern. Oh, yeah. Well, we I'll go. I'll get on those lights while doing that 8-hour recap. Is that a little better? <laughs> is that a little better? It is it is it is much better. All we can right. see that you have a skin tone instead of my complexion. Yay. <laughs> All right. TikTok, so let's get to it. <laughs> Our first question of the day is could you make a better promotional video for a former disaster zone than the tourism team for a post-apocalyptic New York? So I'm going first today. Uh, nice. Yes, usually I hand it off, but I will begin. So this is how I would start. I would start off with this. I'm being serious with this one, okay, mm. because mm. I'm American right now. I would start yeah. off. I'm always American. But I would start <laughs> off oh, with a series of shots. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, I'm patriotic. That's the word. Oh, good. Good, good. Okay, here we go. I would start off with a series of shots ranging back from the very first pictures ever taken of the state of New York, the humble beginnings, the progress, the struggle. I would move up through time showing Ellis Island and say, New York is the place where millions of people fought and struggled to find a better life. People who fought to be free, to be American. However, freedom comes at a cost. There are times where we are called upon to fight, and there are times where we are simply called upon to persevere. Being at the center of the blast zone in 1985 was one of those devastating moments where New York had to band together and persevere, and that is what we have done. Mm. Since then, we have not only recovered, but have come back stronger than ever. We are proud. We are strong. We are New York. Come join the family and let's grow together. Oh, that's good. Thank you. That's good. That's good. I could hear a politician saying that. That's nice. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) All right. So now I'm passing the baton to Sesh. What would you do? Well, I I do feel like I personally have a better... uh, let me see. I might be in my wrong notes right now. <laughs> so while I pull up the right notes for some reason, uh, there we go. Now I'm in the right notes. We got to keep track of what we're trying to say because it's very easiest, easy for us to get better ideas as we get along, but that's cheating and we're not allowed to do that. 
Yes, and as the intern, I apologize for not prepping Sesha's notes for her properly. <laughs> <laughs> intern, I, I, have my, I do now have my notes. Thank you for uh, pulling them up for me so quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Audio issues, lighting issues, and now, and now, and now, and now notes. My gosh. So, what I would do is a before and after series. We do pictures, videos, people who went through weight loss, before and after people on vacation, before and after horrible psychic squid massacres, and a thriving happy city the key is what they call in advertising the call to action where the end of the commercial we would see a few ugly before images with a voiceover saying something like if you want to make great changes in your life come to new york and say screw the squid screw the squid screw Screw the squid squid. (laughs) yeah wow that was good i like that one I like that one. My turn. Yes. <laughs> mm. Ah, yes. The age-old tradition of trying to sell swampland to the Okies. All right. First thing I would do is I'd call up this universe's Paul Verhoeven. And I'd be like, Paul, loved your film Robo Pirate, and Striptease was, uh, yeah. Anyways, I think you're the perfect director for our ad spot. Okay, here's the pitch. Imagine some native New Yorker named, I don't know, Rico or something. He's off at college with his super hot friends. We've already got Denise Richards and that (laughs) TV kid doctor lined up and ready to go. When all of a sudden, bam, psychic trans-dimensional squid attack kills his whole family and destroys New York. So Rico and his friends declare vengeance and go to New York to jump through portals to take the fight to the squid's homeworld. I'm talking mowing down millions of CGI squids with automatic weapons standing on top of a gigantic pile of dead squid yelling out lines like, the only good squid is a dead squid. And we'll give their group a nice catchy title, something like Rico's Roughnecks. (laughs) Then at the end, put something like earn your citizenship. Enlist today (laughs) to get these mother bleeping squid off this mother bleeping planet along with a limited time offer to give each newly enrolled citizen of New York their own personal Squid Blaster 5000 Mach 2 automatic automatic weapon. Oh my goodness. Then bookend it with, would you like to know more? With a link to the travel agency. All the while blaring something patriotic like, I'm proud to be an American. Or, America, frick yeah, coming to save the mother bleeping day, yeah. In the background. You win, Paul? Hell yeah. Uh, by the way, audience, if you have not seen the movie Starship Troopers, uh, you need to see it. Uh, one of the most underrated comedic satires out there. Good stuff. Uh, I used a lot of insight from that for this. That was awesome. Oh, and Team America. I didn't know we could use Team America music. I'm adding that to my commercial. There you go. There you go. I, I want to try this audio effect from right after you did that and see what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh. Good job. Oh. Oh my gosh, look at those skills. That was awesome. Wow. (laughs) All right. So um, I would have to say, you know, 
Jonathan, you convinced me to move to, to New York. I did. Yes. Nice. I nice. Mean, I, get a free, I get a free squid blaster. You got a free squid blaster. And I like the, the feeling of earning my place. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's pretty good. That's right. I have to move there for the squid blaster or could I just like visit? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you, you have to, you have to enlist. <laughs> You, you have to you have to enlist sergeant and then once 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 you get there you might notice there's no portals or squid but not my problem i sold you on the trip so i'll have the gun oh you'll get the gun you'll get the gun all right so our next question is could you do a better job than looking glass at towing the line between covering for your coworker and stabbing him in the back in front of your new boss? Mm. All right. Okay. If I were looking glass, I would have definitely let Angela in on what happened to him because I obviously don't trust the 7th Cavalry. But I would hatch a plan to make it look like I turned on her uh, for the sake of her and her family. Um, I would have gathered information from Joe Keene. Well, I already gathered that information that Lori is not in on it with them from mm -hmm. what he, she, he said. So I would let her know um, as much as Angela wants her to know mm -hmm. and then stage an arrest because that's all they see is the state is the arrest. So I would then tell Lori uh, the location of the 7th K and their plans. And as far as I know, and after that, have the FBI intervene and tear them down. Like, I don't understand why I'd need to keep anything a secret when they're after me, you know? Wow, that makes a lot of intelligent sense. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder why that wasn't used for the show. Right? Yeah, I think I a hundred percent agree. That's how I would like personally handle it. I think uh, as far as cinematically goes, oh yes, if he wanted to be sneaky and plot with her, he could have. Uh, he he knew about the bug. He had her cell number, right? You could send a text. There's mm -hmm. so many different other ways that it could have played out. Um, if he wanted to give her any kind of warning or heads up he could have with the bug with the calvary to lori even like you suggested like super smart um but i would argue as far as the show and moving the story forward and doing something interesting and what would cause her to do that with the pills um that he did exactly what he should have done because he was also in a really tough spot with the Calvary. I would be worried about what they actually know since secret identities aren't actually so secret. And yeah, it sucks getting in trouble with Lori, even if he never told her what was going on. I don't think she would care. She'd be like, well, she's still a criminal too. They're all criminals. <laughs> uh, it's better than Angela and her whole family being killed by the Calvary, which they knew who she was. So that was absolutely a possibility. They've tried it before. Um, also, if he wasn't helping his friend out at all, he wouldn't have had to tell her what the pills actually were. So, well, my argument stands. Like, he, he took the perfect actions. He let her, you know, take the bomb that was Lori, but also, at the same time, informed her truthfully and honestly, like, what the pills actually were, which was important to her. He could have just lied about it if he wasn't really helping her, but he kind of was helping her. Man, you suck up. Um, yeah. No, I disagree. As the naughty intern on this show. <laughs> and we have seen today. <laughs> um, really, uh, I disagree. Uh, so, so this would be difficult. Mainly because Angela might just be the biggest idiot on the planet when it comes to trying to conceal her cover-up of a key witness to the murder of her boss. 
Somewhere between the nights of watching superhero porn and random cephalopod anonymous hookups, I would have found the time to stop by her house in person and while talking to her about a random case, slip her a note that says in tiny writing on the top, read in closet. Mm -hmm. And inside says, yo, dumb dumb. Lori has bugged the whole freaking office. <laughs> Hell, you, me, and your whole freaking house is probably bugged. Lori is gunning for you like none other. It's almost like you were seen disposing of evidence in broad daylight or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe stop talking about this in public, <laughs> let alone out loud within the precinct like a moron. <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, fine. But if I consider everything going the way it did in this episode instead, when Angela came over to me talking about the pills, I would have said, Angela, the pills are glucosamine chondroitin, <laughs> not some sexual enhancement med. I can't believe you thought your husband was cheating on you. Listen, I know it's been a very rough couple of weeks, but you need to go home and spend a few days with your husband and talk these issues out. No, don't talk back or make excuses for yourself. I don't want to hear it. Just take some time off before you go crazy. All the while giving her eye signaling, you need to go home now. It's not safe here the whole time. <laughs> then later, I'd stop by her house and slip her a message about how the whole office is bugged, possibly us and her house as well, and Senator Keenleads, the 7th Cavalry, possibly had Sheriff Judd's help. We're both in deep, deep trouble. Not safe. Problem. <laughs> South. That's valid. Okay, I have a question. Yes. How would he give her a wink, wink, nod, nod with his mask? He would <laughs> lift his mask up. He would stare into her eyes, basically being like, listen, you idiot. Shut the hell up and get out of here. You know what? He could have invited her to, um, to one of his, like, nightly meetings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Squid Anonymous meeting. Yeah, like, sure. Hey, come to my Squid meeting. You yeah, know? yeah. Maybe she would have. Maybe she would have. <laughs> oh, sorry, dying. Um, maybe, maybe. Hold on. Mm. Boy, okay. that's what all of our viewers want to hear. We, we need our intern. Don't die. Somebody, somebody <laughs> dying on the on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, maybe she would have done him a solid by being like, "Hey." You know, that new person over there, pretty shady. <laughs> I wouldn't hook up with that. That's See true. the lettuce, like, rolling out of her pants. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Caught on. All right, so <laughs> well, let's move on to our most intense question of the evening, and that is, could you have stopped the Cold War better than Adrian Veidt? Mm. All right. I'm going first with this one. So let's say I was a mad genius like Byte with access to all kinds of technology and Dr. Manhattan's knowledge of the future, okay? I would be of the motto that everything is perspective. I would find out which Cold War leaders are the most easily susceptible to suggestion, and then I would wait for them to come into power. I wouldn't have to actually murder people like Byte did, but rather drop some kind of sleep bomb on the world. Mm -hmm and give the leaders doses of dreams that convince them that they both reached a peace deal that would benefit each in a respectable fashion. And that if they do not adhere to it, Dr. Manhattan has created a race of godlike overlords that are waiting to take over the world and murder everyone with advanced technology um, that they couldn't even dream of. Worse than the A-bomb, worse you know, than anything. 
I would further this point by showing these people uh, destroying swaths of land, burning it to a crisp, yeah. uh, while I go out and actually burn certain areas down. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Taking care to choose places without people. And then, <laughs> so, then uh, I'd wake them up and they will see the evidence that they were not just dreaming. Also furthering this with hard correspondence, mirroring their dreams and other paper, tra paper trails to show that they indeed had those conversations. Nobody died. There is peace. Boom. Nice. Nice. Simple. Yes. Elegant. Pretty Thank good. you. Pretty good. Thank I you. like that. Sash I your like turn. that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So pretty sure a terrifying psychic attacking interdimensional squig could have landed anywhere rather than a densely populated metropolis and have the same effect. You know, <laughs> as in alternative to murdering millions of people and traumatizing millions more i'm all for the idea of existential dread bringing humanity together but i believe that everyone out there can feel that dread without all the murder he's just one of those smart people that has a good idea but then doesn't revise it to make it any better which he really could have done here but honestly, I, I don't think he would treat the average person any different than he treats his average clone. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on this one. I mean Ooh. yes. Ooh. Because say, you know, this virus that's going on right now, if it didn't kill so many people, it wouldn't get as much of a reaction to stop to quarantine to this and that. If a big squid dropped in the middle of a farm, it would be interesting. But no, I think they'd be like, whoa, maybe there is life out there. But then there'd be arguments. No, there isn't. That's just somebody who made it. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody would believe yeah, it yeah. because nobody died. I think what if it keeps happening. Man, that sounds and like then, a lot of resources. Nobody dies. <laughs> doesn't that also imply that there's an intelligence behind it? And they're not threatened by it. But like, I mean, that's some existential stuff. It's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. I'll give you that, but I still don't think it would make people stop their war. I think as long as nobody's dying, it's kind of like it's kind of like people need a sacrificial offering to stop what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, I need I need that squid straight into my brainstem. What if the squid was in between the two fighting parties and it took the shots? That'd be interesting. Uh, During the war? That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Scare the heck out of some people. Yeah, meat shield squid. I like it. Yeah, every time people try to fight, just boom, squid. <laughs> now that's cool. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jonathan? Well, you know, if we know the answer to this question, I think it automatically makes us president of the free world, right? Uh, because it seems our current state of humanity could use this guidance right now. All right, well, here goes. The main issue at hand is distrust and fear. I think xenophobia could be added to that list, but that the current limiting connotations to the word xenophobia doesn't quite fully describe the problem. Humanity as a whole has a tendency to distrust those who do not look like them, act like them, believe like them, pray like them, or think like them. Maybe it's biological, maybe it's psychological, maybe it's an innate species survival tactic. But whatever it is, it just is. Not only that, we as a people love 
absolutely love being right. And we absolutely hate people who tell us what to do or think or uh, telling us that we're just flat out wrong. In fact, many humans, even after learning the correct answer to a question, will still cling to their own beliefs or come up with their own reasons why the correct answer cannot possibly be right. I want you, you at home to think back to most arguments that you've had in life, especially the nastiest and the worst ones, whether they be in person or on the internet or wherever. And if you're able to keep an open mind and fully self-actualize, you'll discover that the vast majority of those were caused by the same thing, which is two people who would rather shout their views or beliefs at one another, no matter if they're right or wrong, than try and find a middle ground because at least one of those people would rather scream until they're blue in the face rather than admit the possibility that they're wrong. Cold wars happen similarly. Two countries or groups are fundamentally different on some level, and as such, are, in, are, are inherently distrustful of one another. They start taking jabs at one another and denigrate them or their beliefs, possibly even start treating the other as a lower class of people or not good enough. Eventually, this moves from distrust to hate as riled up citizens start taking aggressive actions towards one another, possibly even leading to casualties. And the countries or groups begin condemning each other for the violence instead of working together to stop it. This starts leading to political exclusions or isolation and finding reasons why not to work with that other country. So the countries start taking opposing sides on all issues and even join the opposite sides of wars. They start engaging shadow wars against each other and building up armaments, making continuously passive aggressive actions against one another to show their dominance. And eventually, this leads to the brink of war that will be cataclysmic for these two nations or groups. It is the worst type of vicious cycle, the one where every action they take is an action of escalation. So then how do you stop this distrust and hatred when it's already there? And the answer is de-escalation. While the citizens hate it as it appears to be a symbol of weakness, not strength, it all starts with taking actions to support that other country, whether it be improving trade, lifting embargoes, supporting their foreign affairs activities, or attempting to work with them towards their global efforts, even possibly offering to assist them on an issue or a war front that is mutually beneficial to each of you. And for the love of whatever deity you believe in, stop making inflammatory comments about them or responding to their own inflammatory comments. One of the greatest presidents in American history, Theodore Roosevelt, often said, speak softly and carry a big stick. And he's right, that oftentimes the best course of action is to simply shut the hell up. <laughs> and if you start doing this enough, the Cold War will begin to thaw it will even begin to turn into peace agreements or treaties. Things might never be great between those countries. They might never become friends, but they also won't be looking to blow each other up any chance that they get. That was awesome. That was really a beautiful response. Oh. Wow. Thank you. Thank wow. you. That's my uh, three minute essay to Cosmo. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see if it fits, you know, mute that side gig. You fixed the Cold War. Yeah. Aww. You fixed the Cold War in my heart. <laughs> oh, that's, that so, that's so sweet. <laughs>
All right. Well, we're coming down to um, our review, our review of the episode and ratings. So, um, for me, I kind of enjoyed this episode coming down more into um, Wade's psyche instead of the pace that it had in the previous episode of let's solve the mystery, I guess. Um, it was weaving in and out of his psyche, and I thought it was done well for the most part. There were some weak moments in it, but I I forgave it because I really felt for him. Um, while also being given more juicy bits and pieces of the overall mystery, but I didn't feel like I was it was forced down my throat, <laughs> unlike Angela Abar's pills. But um, <laughs> I thought it was done well. <laughs> I thought it was done well, and um, I felt more pulled into the story than I did in the last episode, so I give it an 8.6. Mm, nice. 8.6. Pretty good. Yes. I like that. Well, uh... I think for me, maybe just an 8, actually, instead of my normal 8.5 to 9. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I love the Looking Glass backstory for Wade. It's perfect. His life and his cape name and everything about him is so perfectly tied in with his uh, with his trauma from the psychic squid and that loss of innocence for him and humanity it's super interesting and super interesting how they've moved forward with Ozzy's story too to reveal more about him mm -hmm. uh, especially for the non-comic book readers out there who are watching this um Wade is just great he's a really likable character um however with this episode in the present day Looking Glass's storyline was very predictable mm -hmm. um his trauma is what broke up with the evil puppy killing girlfriend. Not surprising there, even though I think I don't like her. And it was <laughs> zero surprise at all that the new blonde was a bad guy stringing him along on top of even more not surprising trap that she laid for him to follow her to the Calvary base. At least he is in Calvary, which was slightly hinted at after Lori was talking to him, and he sort of defended them for, like, just almost a sentence, but stopped himself. So I'm really glad that that's not the case. Um, I'm loving all the past reveals a ton. Oh, boy, a ton. And I'm so worried for Angela going into this next episode. Like, it was... It's a great cliffhanger to end on. But, yeah, everything they did in the present day was really by the book predictable which i haven't really seen from the show um mm -hmm. yet and that was really frustrating because everything from the past and everyone's backstory is just really great stuff super interesting yeah uh i agree with sesh actually almost uh almost word for word um you know up to now i think my lowest rating for an episode was an 8.5 which is just ridiculous i mean this show has been tremendous uh there is no question about that um this one though it's going to be a bit lower for me um i really like the introductory arc of wade as a teen and that cinematic pullback shot from the from the carnival in hoboken uh, uh to to new york city and the aftermath of the squid attack that was beyond epic i mean it, in fact it was so epic we here uh, did some research on how Javier Grobey was even able to set that up. Like, that is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, I mean, just amazing stuff. Uh, however, 
the writing after that, it just felt a little bit uninspired to me. Uh, while there were major twists presented, such as Senator Joe and Sheriff Judd being 7th Cavalry leaders, Angela slamming a bunch of pills, and Wade's newest hookup also being 7th Cavalry, they, they just did not hit the mark to me. And I think it was mainly because it seemed like these twists drove the writing instead of the strong writing leading to these twists. The best I can explain it is reading halfway through a book and then reading the last chapter. Sure, maybe there's a few surprises there, but you miss the writing that led up to it. And then if you do read what you skipped, it just never seems to live up to your expectations as you're no longer in suspense of what's going to happen. Um, and, and I really feel that that's exactly what happened here in this episode. Also, I felt Angela specifically, that, that she acted fairly out of character this whole episode. Uh, she's smarter, she's a much smarter character than her actions suggest. Even after the last episode disposing, disposing of evidence in like broad daylight, like, again, I don't know how they were writing it her character these past two episodes but it was it's been weird because the first few episodes it didn't seem like she's the type of person who who's gonna go about doing that she seems to know how to at least cover her tracks but this is showing she is just really incompetent so overall um I give this episode a 7.5 um I was oh. going to give it a 7 oh. But I, I bumped it up a half point for that for that uh, uh, cinematic shot. I mean, my gosh, that was that was some good stuff. That's a good opening. Okay, so I would argue in Angela's favor that why she's acting weird is you know she lost her leader. Now she's questioning if he's even was even ever on her side. But she could probably get away with a lot of stuff before. Like yeah, she, yeah. it was probably more of a family situation there was no real anonymity between the people that were working there and i felt like i think it's just that she was comfortable you make a good point you make a good point i mean that said even though like i think there's a big difference between her you know beating up subjects during interrogation here yeah. in, in this society or her doing things with her police force law buddies that that clearly aren't legal and shouldn't be done then it is for her to act on her own to cover something up and try keeping it from the rest of the police force well i feel feel like she's very desperate right now yeah and that i I think that's a big thing yeah because she's never had family that survived Sure. And this is like she finally has a family member, and even though she insults him and acts, you know, one way, I think her heart is open and raw. She really needs a family member right now, yeah. and so she's just erratic, and she just does not want to lose this man mm. because she just lost lost Judd, who was a family member to her. Yeah, and I think that's overshadowing her mindset when it comes to being a police officer. You make good points. Thank you. you make good and, points. And, uh, and again, like they've definitely drawn the line with uh, people that wear masks are more like people that are the vigilantes that just want to be able to freely beat somebody up rather than be a good cop. Yeah. No, I mean none of them are really good cops, but like, uh, <laughs> but but you know, most know. people He's have have some small sense of self preservation. <laughs> just just a little, like you know. 
again, nobody, again, I am not saying to do illegal things, audience, okay? <laughs> Don't do illegal things. That said, if you do an illegal thing, you're you're gonna take just a little bit of care not to. Not, oh man, we just had a had a had a live response saying no. So, so yes, no, don't do illegal things. If you if you did do an illegal thing though, you aren't just going to flaunt it like right out in public. I mean, my gosh, like you have some sense a little bit of sense and the most sense you can have is don't do that illegal thing in the first place are, yeah, are, that path. are, 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 are we good legal we're no no shaking their heads at me okay well i i tried no i didn't okay yeah oh we're talking about it later in the office all right great so uh that was fun yes I yes, am so sorry about the audio issues. We had so many on, on actually uh, both sides. This is the first mm -hmm. time that that has yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. So really, our apologies from all of us on yes. that uh, on that late start. Um, is it outro time? Yes, it is. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so uh, again, thank you all for sticking with us. 40 minutes into the delay, and we still had people who were listening and viewing. Honestly... Big round of applause to all of uh, to all of you guys at home. Yeah, wow. Now that we have access to the soundboard, there's no stopping us, people. No stopping us. Oh man. Uh, once we once we start having patriotic music that you can hit with the button oh, no. in the background, I'm good to go. Give me a soapbox. We're fine. Um, that's right. That's right. In any case. Thank you all. Um, uh, honestly, your support means a lot. You listening to us means a lot. If you liked what you heard today, uh, please share, like, and subscribe um, uh, on uh, the YouTubes. Uh, what is it? Follow and subscribe on Twitch. Follow, subscribe. Yep, yep. And That's then right. please uh, do. on Podbean, I still haven't figured out. Uh, <laughs> how to how to give a positive interaction there but you guys know how to do it so please do yeah yeah and again remember if you like the show uh please do that if you didn't like the show you do it twice to really show us that we're that we're in the wrong because we will get that message anyway it has been an absolute slice uh, we will be back uh, with episode six. I think we are taking uh, next week off. Uh, so we will be coming back in two weeks. It will be at the time of, let me look up this wonderful calendar. As I do the same. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's, it's going to be Thursday at 8.30 Pacific. Is that right? Yep. That's um, usually part one of what we do. I'm checking the events calendar as we speak. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, so our next show is April 30th, Thursday at 8.30 p.m. All right. Thursday. Oh. April. Wait, April 30th? Yes. That's in four weeks. Yes, it is. It's in four weeks. Not in two weeks? I don't think we could do the two weeks. 
We'll get back to you, audience. <laughs> I know you're on the edge of your seats for this one. We're gonna we're gonna have to have to have a have a beat it out session to try and get you your your low quality content that you have so uh -oh. so so desired. <laughs> anyway, thank you again. And until next time on Could You Do It Better? <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs>